I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is Lisa Lacey, and she's going to tell us all about a game-changing new product that has the opportunity to impact every one of us in horticulture, as well as everyone who gardens and enjoys landscapes. You may have heard clips and stories and seen press releases about cutting-edge new impatiens with resistance to the impatiens downy mildew disease that's decimated one of the world's most important bedding plants, impatiens walleriana. Well, Lisa is the product manager and leading expert on Beacon Impatiens, a brand new series bred by Pan American Seed and proven to exhibit high resistance to the Plasmapara obducens microorganism that leads to impatiens downy mildew. To put this disease in scope, 10 years ago there were billions of seeds of impatiens walleriana sold worldwide, and Pan American Seed alone offered 9 impatiens series. Since then, due to the widespread nature of the disease, sales of walleriana seeds have dropped as much as 50%, and this garden mainstay has disappeared from retail shelves and commercial landscapes in a big way. Now it's time to hear the story that began in 2008, when Pan Am started planning and building a team around the problem and continues to this spring, 2019, when the new Beacon series will debut at California Spring Trials. It's a story filled with emotion, but built on a foundation of science. It's a story of collaboration. And it's a story with an amazing moral, because a portion of the sales of the new Beacon series will benefit lesser-known causes and foundations. And most of all, it's a story our guest, Lisa Lacey, is proud to share with the STEM listeners, because, as she clearly states in this discussion, seeing will lead to believing, and it will take an industry effort to share the message that impatients are back. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four points lining up to support one key topic. It's always interesting to know what home gardeners are up to in their yards and gardens, and it can't be understated that staying up to date on trends will only help you as a grower, supplier, retailer, or landscaper. Garden Design recently published a list of garden trends for 2019, and I picked out four for this episode. I'll link to the full article in the show notes. Obviously, there are many other trends, and I encourage you to follow your local garden communicators and any regional gardening resources on social media to stay current with trends closer to home. First, keeping it low maintenance. Garden design feels that considering the busy world we live in, gardeners will be looking for ways to simplify their gardens in 2019. They recommended perennial plants grouped together based on watering needs and suggested removing messy trees or shrubs that don't provide any ecological benefits. They also suggested investing in irrigation systems. As a wholesaler or retailer, you can help your customers by identifying low maintenance plants and possibly tagging them as such. Next making a notable first impression. We all know a well-designed front yard adds curb appeal, but it also creates a sense of happiness for the homeowner as they return from work or other activities. Garden Design offers these front yard ideas. Add seasonal containers. Include scented plants along an entry pathway. Install lighting to make the journey to the front door dramatic and easy to navigate. Incorporate plants with flowers that complement the color of the front door and put plants in crevices and between stones within walkways to add interest. Third, include food in landscapes of all sizes. Although growing food is not a new trend, it seems now more than ever consumers have a vested interest in where their food comes from and how it's being grown. 
Garden design explains the ability to grow your own food is not limited to people with acres of land, and gardeners of all ages are finding that they can grow a surprising amount of food in limited space. Some ideas from the article, container gardening on the front or back porch, selecting ornamental edibles to incorporate into existing gardens, and hanging planters of edibles in front of a kitchen window. The final chip in our game of 2019 Trend Connect 4 is what garden design calls giving back with gardens. More and more people are realizing that gardens have the potential to be much more than a plot of land that's pretty to look at. They actually can benefit both the earth and the local community. Garden design shares some top ways to give back with any garden or landscape. Make a home garden a certified wildlife habitat to benefit wildlife and inspire your neighbors to do the same. Just Google certified wildlife habitat and you'll find tons of information. Donate the overabundance of fresh produce to a local food bank or share it with your neighbors. This creates community. Include plants that attract pollinators such as butterflies and design gardens with wildlife in mind. I hope this gives you some insight into a few of the big picture gardening trends for 2019. Consider them when putting together your wholesale and retail offering for this spring and incorporate some of the ideas to help your customers stay on trend. Now, let's talk about one of the industry's most significant breakthroughs in decades as we discuss battling disease with Beacon Impatience. It's my pleasure to welcome Lisa Lacey to STEM. Since joining Pan American Seed in 2004, Lisa has been a part of the product development department as senior global product manager. She says being a part of the Pan American Seed and Keeft Seed product development team and having the opportunity to work with the best breeders in the industry to bring innovative products and solutions to market is exciting, challenging, motivating, and very fulfilling. Projects and programs Lisa has been involved with or continues to be product manager for include Angelonia Serena and Serenita, the only Angelonia series available from Seed, the Wave brand Petunia products, Calibracoa Kabloom and Crave, the first and only Calibracoa from Seed, Echinacea Cheyenne Spirit, Pretty Grand and Pretty Flora compact growing standard petunias, the Griffin Begonia, Impatience Walleriana Super Elfin and Impreza, and most recently, Impatience Beacon, which we will talk about today. Prior to joining Pan American Seed, Lisa worked at S&G Flowers Syngenta as regional product representative and as a senior product manager. A graduate of Iowa State University, she started her career with Ball Seed in the Seed Department in West Chicago. Lisa, welcome to STEM. Hey, thanks, Bill. It's nice to be here. So it's I've actually been excited to do this episode for about a year because being a part of Ball Seed, I got to hear some of the, you know, behind the scenes and backstory, you know, about a year ago. And I've been following the sort of the go to market plan for uh, for Beacon Impatience now. And uh, I'm just really excited to to get you on STEM and uh, hear a little bit more of the details behind what I consider a pretty groundbreaking uh, product. So well, I'm excited to be here to talk about it. So I, I said, I, I talked a little bit in your bio about some of the products that you've managed or continue to manage, and they're certainly some of the best in class. And although we are going to spend most of this episode talking about uh, Impatience Walleriana and how the mm-hmm. new series from Pan Am is going to be a, a true game changer in the market, I wanted our listeners to get a sense of the range of experience, kind of the products that you've worked on throughout your career and 
and maybe, you know, what, what is a day or week in the life of a senior <laughs> global product manager uh, look like as you work on some of these uh, top kind of <laughs> industry rock stars? Oh. You know, I have been very fortunate to work on uh, a lot of fun and challenging and, you know, and hopeful mar market beneficial products in my career. Um, you know, Wave Petunias, uh, I've been a part of that since my time with Pan Am, uh, working with Ping and others. And that that's always very exciting. How do you evolve a brand? Uh, it, it's an exciting approach, but uh, bringing things like this, the Angelonia from Seed, the Serena, Serenita, working with the Calibrecoa project, you know, Crave and Kabloom uh, has also been different yet challenging and fun. And a little bit with Perennials, uh, with the Echinacea Cheyenne Spirit. So there's been a, a diversity and, and now this really awesome opportunity to be a part of Impatience has is, is been uh, very exciting. But I would say, uh, speaking for myself and probably all the product managers I work with, there's not one day that's like the next. And I think that's in part why we enjoy product development, because there's always a lot of, uh, let's call them, you know, balls in the air, so to speak, trying to approach different things, because we work with so many different parts of the corporation, so many different parts of the marketplace. Uh, you know, it might be working with, uh, you know, Claire on marketing or production on uh, something or the seed technology group. So there's a lot of diversity. Uh, plus, there's trials and products to look at, which I think for me holds a special uh, place in my heart. That first look at trials in the spring is always very uh, exciting to see what's out there. So I would suggest that it's about just a diversity and a lot of things that we get to do. That's cool. And it's sort of becoming a theme on STEM when we talk about uh, breeding um, projects and programs is that they really uh -huh. are happening to solve challenges for growers, yeah. to increase mm -hmm. efficiency, reduce mm -hmm. labor. I mean, it's not just breeding for the sake of breeding. When you talk about Angelonia from seed and mm -hmm. Calabrocoa from seed and I mean, these are just it's sort of revolutionary type mm -hmm. type products that are that are truly making a difference in the greenhouse. Yeah, that is very important. And, and we do want to bring not just another pretty product, which is OK, but really it's about, you know, moving the needle and how do we bring things to do resolve challenges for our grower customers, uh, meeting the needs of the retail customers, meeting the needs of the different market segments, you know, professional landscapers and home gardeners. So that is very, very much forefront in product development uh, at Pan Am and I think across the, the ball breeding companies. Uh, make, makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, working on a little uh, product line like Wave, talk about an industry <laughs> leader. And, you know, in STEM episode 10, we talked to uh, Scott Roosh a lot, yeah. a lot about the past, present and future of Wave. And I know that's such a huge uh, focus for Pan American and such a, you know, such a, a wonderful product for the entire industry. So, so we've kind of established that you're consider you to be kind of the songwriter and producer behind some of these greatest hits. You know, you, you, you hear about, you know, these, these great songs that, that, that come out and you hear, oh, wow, you know, the same person has been writing these songs for these different stars for years. And, you know, and then at the end of the, at the end of it all, they get like a, you know, a lifetime achievement award. So it's kind of fun to talk to you. And now I've got to ask you what, what's your favorite, I guess, of all these different series and varieties you've helped bring to market, which one, or a couple hold that special place in your heart and you know which ones do you use in your home garden okay yeah that's a tough one because there there are many that have carved out a special place in my heart and my garden and so i think there's room for more than one so i suggest three how's this so um for, for when i put in full sun an item that i love to go to is easy wave neon rose 
uh, it's, it just performs. I love the color. I love the vibrancy. It just is. So that, that for me, I love in, in ground and in containers and sun. Um, if I'm looking for something in a hanging basket in the newer assortment, I, I really like the new Kabloom Cherry. It's a really great color. It's really rich. It just is pretty, you know? <laughs> not, that's not a very formal horticulture term, but I do think it's just really pretty. And now out of the newest group of products for shade, I would go with Beacon Orange. Uh, really great color. It's solving a problem in my garden, too, because downy mildew's been in my backyard. So, you know, those, those are three that bubble to the top right now. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. And we have, we do see, you know, great sales of orange impatience, whether it is Walleriana or New Guinea's. I mean, orange is a hot color. Kabloom cherry, I mean, Caliber Cohen, hangy basket, how can you, how can you beat it? And with the, the kind of the Kabloom economic story for growers and just being fantastic genetics and easy wave neon rose. I, I completely agree. I, I love that plant as well as many other easy waves, but that's a great top three. Yeah, you you forced me to just pick a few, but I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you kind of indulging me that fun question, but we're here to talk about game-changing new products. So can you start by kind of framing the story as we move into into Beacon and what that's bringing to market, but start kind of by talking to our listeners about the role Impatience Walleriana have played in the market historically. I want to sort of get, get... Go back to basics mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about the impact that a disease outbreak takes on the overall betting market when it comes to a huge product like Impatience. And then, you know, although we are based in North America and talking to a lot of North American growers here, there is a global audience. So if you want to paint a global mm-hmm. picture, that would be great. Okay. Yeah. Well, if we look back 15 years, Impatience and many of our the listeners, uh, probably lived this as well. It was a top one, two bedding plant class in North America and uh, one, two or three globally as well. You know, between probably Pan Am and all the breeding companies, billions of seeds were out there over the course of many years. And that's because impatience were easy, you know, quick, versatile, reliable. There were lots of colors and all that ticked boxes for, you know, our grower customers retailers, uh, for consumers and landscapers. So it did all the things that we loved a garden product to do. And, you know, if I look at specifically through the eyes of Pan American Seed in, in, in just 10 years ago, in 2009, uh, Pan Am had nine series. You know, that was through our uh, like Super Elfin, through exclusive series like um, Dazzler uh, here in the US and Desire for our you know, European customers, but a lot of series. You know, Super Elfin alone had 23 colors and eight mixes. So there was a lot of vibrancy to it. And now today uh, there's four series because we had to right size our assortment based upon everything that happened from, you know, the mid 2000s until, you know, 2011, 2012, when the market really shifted and, and changed. Um, so there's there's the facts and figures part of it, but I also when we step away from the facts and figures, I also like to consider it from a different perspective. Um, Pan American Seed and other breeding companies, we really built who we were on impatience. We really identified with it. I think the market identified us uh, as an impatience company. We have the history uh, with Mr. Claude Hope and his impatience story out of Costa Rica and the development of the Linda Vista facility. Uh, and, and developing impatience and then handing that off to Ellen Loya, who brought us into the Super Elfin era. Um, 
And our Elburn, Illinois facility uh, was essentially a lot of that was built for inpatients and uh, all the inpatients breeding came there in the early 1990s. So, you know, there's definitely the numbers impact where, you know, greater than 50% of the market went away. But there's also this kind of personal connection for several of us and many of us actually with impatience at, at Pan American Seed. I think that that's a, that's a part of the story that really didn't occur to me until you and I were talking a little bit before this episode. And mm-hmm. you know, sure, you can look at you know the fact that, that billions of seed have been produced and sold that that nine series 10 years ago you know that super elf in 23 colors eight mix i mean that is huge but yeah i mean really when it comes down to sort of the the emotional you mm-hmm. know side of it i i think that, that there's a lot there and, I, and you know you saw it coming from home gardeners as well when mm-hmm. impatience started you know disappearing off the retail shelf or you know your garden mm-hmm. writers sort of singing you know singing the blues or maybe that's not the right term but really you know writing articles you know we've lost this this mm-hmm. key crop that everybody really depended on in the garden you know in the shade and to bring yeah. color and to fill space and mm-hmm. you know it, it there i think that there there is there are emotions involved in in this which is interesting i think to mm-hmm. think about from an industry perspective yeah because we really don't talk much about that but I've definitely felt that myself and talking with some others uh, uh, within our team. So that's why we've, we've been, you know, very, both for both reasons to bring, we wanted to bring in patients back. You know, that, that was what started uh, in 2008, why we wanted to really start coming back with this. It makes sense. So let's move a little bit to the disease outbreak. Can you tell us about the actual the disease of impatience downy mildew that's impacted this crop? When did it start? Mm-hmm. Where did it start? Mm. You know, I have actually seen it in my own garden mm-hmm. you know, I, when I lived in Illinois and here in Ohio. And how, so, how quickly did it spread? How quickly did it really start to to take take down this market? Well, if we look at it from a historical perspective, you know, and, and Colleen Warfield uh, and others, and Colleen's our corporate pathologist and others in that field, uh, say that, you know, Plasmoptera obducens, which is impatient downy mildew, has been in the U.S. over 100 years, you know, back probably the middle 1800s. Um, but really, we started to notice the impact in the early half of the 2000s in U.K., Europe, um, South Africa. Those are kind of the first indications where we started to observe this disease. And then in the early 2000s, you know, kind of early to mid 2000s, we didn't get a lot of reports of disease. Then it started to bubble up and then moderated. And then what really happened in about 2011 is more of the global widespread devastation started to occur with, with patients downy mildew disease. And then at that time also, um, we started to better educate ourselves in the marketplace. What is this disease? How to manage this disease? And so what happened then, many of the listeners probably are aware and still use the guidelines that were developed um, within how to rotate fungicides, how to take care of the plant material. And so that really is what happened in the early 2010 to 2012. Uh, And subsequent to that, then we started in about 2008, to seek solutions uh, for this product, how to bring a solution uh, about impatience downy mildew to the marketplace. Okay, so so that okay that that's interesting. So it's been you know it's been quite quite a while that you guys have been working on it. So mm-hmm. when 
So you started looking for a solution, you said around 2008? Yeah, 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I know that this um, took on you know a, a whole life in terms of collaboration across <laughs> certainly the whole Ball Corporation yeah. and you know, other, other companies around the industry. So what what does it look like when you identify that problem and start looking for a solution? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you bring up the uh, uh, collaboration uh, comment because I do absolutely believe, and those of us involved with this project believe that because we've had this collaboration across different teams, that is what has brought us to this point uh, where we are right now. And so the um, really it started uh, with our with a former colleague, Matt Kramer, who suggested that we needed to start planning and building a team around this problem. Let's bring in the best people representing different parts of the challenge, different parts of possible solution and and attack it that way, rather than it be uh, a very single, okay, Pan American, uh, this breeder, this person fix it. It was, let's take the team approach. And so that's really how it started. And actually that is kind of how it's continued to this day. And how I vision this and how I explain it is it's, it's almost like a series of bubbles, if you will. At the very heart of it was the identification of the problem and how we, how we start to address it. And so once we got some answers to that, then another bubble overlapped that with working in our breeding team. So uh, Rude Brinkemper, who breeds this, and his breeding team are involved in developing the genetics. And then we have Colleen and our pathology who's working with screening of the diseases. And then another bubble is the trialing aspect of it. So just thinking about the facility's impact on this, um, we're trialing in patients downy mildew inoculated plant populations in our facilities. Um, and I just think I felt some of the listeners cringe at that, <laughs> but that's also a collaborative effort. How do we work with our facilities and, and bring comfort and that we can do this successfully? Um, we also then add another bubble on this of working with our production facilities uh, to produce it. And, and, and so each piece of this uh, is overlapping the other. And it, it makes a series of collaborative efforts where everybody is going in the same direction and everybody is leaning in to make this successful. And, um, and there's a lot of other people involved, uh, I think, to list everybody. It would take quite a while, uh, but it is exceptionally collaborative across the corporation. Well, and that sort of visual of the bubbles makes sense <laughs> to me because anyone in isolation first of all, probably wouldn't have achieved the kind of success you guys have in the breeding yeah. program, but it also would have potentially negatively impacted other, you know, other parts of Pan American's breeding or other, you know, like you just thought the, the facility is part alone. I mean, you're right. I cringed when you said it like, oh my gosh, there's a lot going on in those greenhouses. So if there wasn't this, this collaboration, I can see there, mm-hmm. you know, there being a lot of pitfalls. So, Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been a, a lot of everybody's been open and dialoguing. Uh, you know, nobody, everybody takes ownership, but nobody takes like absolute ownership. If you understand what I mean, we, we, 
persons are experienced and leaders in one part and they take the lead there and then they hand it off. It's almost like a race with a baton. You know, you just smoothly hand, you try to smoothly hand it off to the next person, but ultimately we all try to get to that same endpoint. And so that's why I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the collaboration that's happened across uh, so many parts of uh, the Ball Corporation to, to make this happen. For sure. And, you know, you say that and that that's how I view Pan American Seed, you know, having worked with with Pan American Seed, you know, from uh, from all sorts of different marketing and perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, you guys really do uh, take a lot of ownership, but but nobody tries to over, you know, overtake the whole thing. So now we have Beacon. Um, the breeding has been done. I mean, you talked <laughs> about the trialing, the production. Tell me about the series. I mean, it's super exciting. I know that growers across all of North America are extremely excited. And, you know, tell me, tell me about Beacon in terms of features and benefits and how okay. it, you know, how it relates to the impatience Walleriana that we've all known and loved, like Super Elfin. And then, you know, maybe you can also touch a little bit on the, the cause that you guys are partnering with for the first year, because I think that's another real exciting uh, part of this whole story. Okay. Well, Beacon and Patients uh, exhibit high resistance to the currently known populations of uh, plasmopterol juices. And I'll come back to uh, high resistance in that explanation a little bit later, because that's very important in understanding what Beacon is and what it does in the garden. Um, from the other characteristics, there are six colors we're really excited about bringing to market, you know, market leading colors. So white and a bright red, violet shades, a salmon, a coral, and as I indicated earlier, my favorite color in the group is orange. Um, and we also have a couple of mixes. We have a select mix and a red and white mix. So we're, we're starting out with that color assortment. Um, and phenotypically, this, uh, these genetics are very similar to uh, many of the mid-vigor super elfins. So hopefully genetics that most of our listeners here are familiar with. So like a super elfin bright orange size vigor. So as, as we developed this, um, you know, the basic foundation, the most critical thing was having high resistance. You know, if it didn't exhibit that, it was kicked out of the program. But then we also recognized that the product needed to have, be a good looking impatience, uh, meaning it offers the characteristics that the marketplace desires, you know, bright, clean, vibrant colors, nicely branch, uh, good flower size. And that's what Beacon is coming to market right now. So a combination of a great phenotype plus high resistance. That's in a nutshell, beacon. Um, That's cool. It's kind of like when when you breed, you know, tomatoes, it, it can't just look nice or be disease resistant and has to taste good too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you also mentioned uh, the other part of the whole beacon story, and we're really pleased to be able to launch a, this charitable campaign. Um, in the spirit of kind of shining the light or bringing light to shade gardens all over the world, Pan American is donating a portion of the Beacon Global Sales to um, lesser known charitable organizations. And so for the 2020 launch, uh, we'll be donating 3% of the global sales to Osteogenesis Imperfecta. And this is a genetic uh, bone disorder that is uh, also known as like brittle bone disease. Uh, so it's estimated roughly that between 25,000 and 50,000 people in the US alone have OI, as it's called. Um, so this donation is going toward helping the foundation to 
improve the quality of life for those uh, individuals who are living with osteogenesis imperfecta. And so that's that's where we're starting with our charitable contributions. And we're really, really pleased to be able to do that. That's fantastic. And I like the way it sort of ties to the whole beacon of light in the garden, beacon mm-hmm. of light of hope to some of these organizations that you're right, they're not on the you know, the, the the top of the list when you start hearing about some of the big charities across uh, North America. So that's, that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So the plan is to select a, a different charity each year? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what our, our, with our sales and marketing team are looking at each, each year after 2020, we'll identify another charitable organization that we would like to support. And, uh, and it could be you know, social, environmental, uh, medical. So yeah, that's, that's the view going forward. And I thought it was a really great idea brought, uh, brought by sales and marketing to do this. No, that, that, that's great. And as, as a marketing guy, I appreciate it. I love the fact that it's a, it's a new story to tell. It's great causes to uh, support and promote. And, you know, not, not only do we get to share the excitement of a uh, high-resistant solution to shade gardens um, that, that's, that's very new and exciting, but also to have a, a secondary message. To talk mm-hmm. about that, that's cool. So, Lisa, you've used the term high resistance uh, a few times, and we've talked about the fact that you and your team had to really kind of learn a new language when it came to preparing the messaging about uh, the Beacon series. So what exactly does high resistance mean and and what's Pan American's role in educating growers? Because I know you're going to have a lot of these discussions. Yeah, well, I appreciate you bringing this up because um, it is a new language that that we've learned that we want to share as part of this message about Beacon. And when we started this process, uh, Colleen and my former colleague, Matt, they understood the terms and they were uh, reminding me how to speak about it. So I now politely try to remind people what the differences are. So essentially we follow the International Seed Federation definition of terms of, of susceptibility and resistance levels. So let's start with susceptibility. So basically, a super elfin is susceptible to impatience downy mildew. That means the plant uh, is, ha- is not able to restrict the growth of the disease. So then you move into resistance levels. And so there's high and there's intermediate. And what high resistance is, and this is what Beacon offers, is um, that the varieties can highly restrict the growth of impatience downy mildew under normal pressure compared with susceptible varieties. So these varieties will thrive over the course of the season, whereas if you have a susceptible in, they will die under the pressure of the disease. But it's equally important to understand that we're not speaking about immunity here. Uh, Immunity would be uh, such as zinnias would have immunity to impatience downy mildew. Uh, So from a visual standpoint, uh, beacon, If there's downy mildew, there may be some sporulation in some of the leaves. There may be uh, yellow leaf or falling off leaf. That's the plant kind of kicking kicking that part of the plant off, but you will see a difference between that and a susceptible variety where the plants completely defoliate and die. So when we demonstrate this at CAST and when we talk about it with uh, the grower community and others, uh, we're really trying to explain what immunity, 
how that's different from what Beacon offers in high resistance and how that compares to susceptible. And we try to provide a lot of visuals. And so we will be doing that in the course of uh, the information we share through our websites and through the demonstrations. So you, growers can see and look and flip those leaves over and see what we're talking about compared to a susceptible variety. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that you're right. It's going to be that visual uh, explanation and visual yeah. message because, you know, I saw it happen in my own garden with the, with the, you know, susceptible varieties. They get downy mildew and they just go right down. I mean, and you're looking at a dead plant within a couple of days. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and, and so I think that it will be, you know, and you guys know how important it'll be just, you know, if you see a yellow leaf, a little bit of sporulation, that's okay. This plant is going to totally recover from it. Um, and certainly like you've seen in, in so many trials. How many trials of these have you have you looked at, do you think? Oh, <laughs> oh a lot of trials over the course of the last uh, few years. And and we do, we do screening in a couple of different ways. I'd like to touch on this real briefly because certainly we look at plant material in ground. But the, the first stage that we look at are in control environment screens. This is uh, conducted by Colleen, uh, in a controlled environment, we put a, an inoculation of downy on very young plants. And uh, basically, those then are transplanted into our greenhouse trials. And then we can identify those so that are the varieties we, we can move ahead with because they have high resistance. And then we kick out the others that we don't. Those then go on to um, natural infection and outdoor field trials in Benhausen, the Netherlands, and in here, Elburn in Illinois. And so then we can also track the garden performance. And there's a very high correlation between our controlled environment screen and what we find in the garden. And so through that, we're looking at a lot of trials over the course of the last several years. Um, but prior to that, in, in the breeding cycle, the Rude and his team estimate they probably looked at over a million plants. Wow. And, you know, to get down to a group of those that we could move ahead with. So, yeah, they did a, all the heavy lifting. I can wow. Well, you know, what? <laughs> that, that's amazing. And, and but I do like to hear that, that you guys have gone through the controlled environment and then yeah. out into the field to see, you know, in, in, a, in a field or natural environment, which kind of segues to my next question. Mm -hmm. which is really, you know, gets to, gets to the confidence level of, yeah. you know, customers or growers as they're, as they're getting back into Impatience, Walleriana, and then selling to their customer bases, yeah. which could be landscapers, it could be garden centers. Um, you know, at what point should a grower feel confident shipping, you know, that, that order of hundreds of six packs to retail for Mother's Day weekend, mm -hmm. or, you know, filling a, a, a box truck and sending, you know, six packs and flats out to the, the landscape, um, their landscape customer for, you know, to put in front of a, of a resort. What, what do you think the confidence level should be um, now and in the, in, in the near future with Beacon? Well, I'll, I'll summarize it this way. You know, we do, we've done the controlled environment. We're doing the multiple in-ground tests. We have years of documentation. We can demonstrate the product, but I do think it's a lot about seeing is believing uh, for for all segments of our industry to do trials uh, in their facility, look at the product, put it outside, put it uh, work with 
they can work with landscapers, work in their own home gardens, and really seeing is believing. Uh, so and we absolutely appreciate that in the dialogue that we've had over the course of the last year with uh, individuals. They appreciate what it is. They're excited about the product, but they want to see it in their own um, in their own environment. So uh, we have we'll have opportunities going into this year in terms of we have lots of product going in the market and sampling. We're engaging with a lot of the university trials. We'll have a, a, a lot of the events. So hopefully most of the podcast listeners will be able to see a product or, you know, there's limited sample supply now to, you know, trial. That's excellent. So I think the, the bottom line is, you know, Pan American has done the test. They have seen mm -hmm. the millions of plants. They have collected the documentation, the data, mm -hmm. all the control trials, but you know, like any new product, really trial it, trial it in your greenhouse setting, trial it in your landscape situation in your yeah. local market. You know, we are a national industry that, that needs to operate regionally as well. And mm -hmm. so it really is like almost, you know, a few episodes ago, we talked to Jason Twiddell about the importance of trialing. And he was yeah. saying, if you're switching your red geraniums over, you're not going to go hundred percent the next year. Mm -hmm. Take a look at these, see how they perform in your own unique setting. So it sounds like the message with Beacon is, is similar, but then, you know, probably a little bit more intense on the, on the outdoor performance. And, mm -hmm. you know, cause we all know that if you are selling to a large landscape customer they're they want to see the proof before they're going to, you know, put their, their own reputation on the line in front of a, in front of a resort or something. Right. Because it's, it's about seeing it, but it's also about having that dialogue of what happens when you see a yellow leaf, what happens, you know, that educational part of it is uh, a parallel to seeing the product as well. So um, that's, and, and we can certainly uh, share more information. Our plan is to provide more photos, more trial results. So uh, we continue to support it from our side. But yeah, we do believe that trialing, seeing is believing in your own backyard, so to speak. And uh, you can be guaranteed that Pan American seed, ball seed, we're going to be you know, pretty transparent in sharing all of these, uh, these trials and, and helping yeah. educate the industry um, across the board about this this new introduction because it is just so critical and you know one of the things that, that we mentioned and you and i have talked about is that this really is a product that that everybody is going to benefit from across mm -hmm. the industry mm -hmm. so you touched on it a little bit but for 2019 2020 what's available how can growers get their hands on beacon and what's that what's the full-blown launch timeline mm -hmm. look like so we're uh we're gonna officially debut it at uh springcast uh, at our santa paula facility and uh, we uh, coming up what week 13 uh, and then in other industry shows throughout uh, 2019 we have a limited supply now and then our full-scale global availability uh, happens in January of 2020 so that's that's the uh, future of uh, the next year with beacon but we'll have it also out in uh, university trials so that we're trying to aim for a lot of locations across the country uh, so that all those pieces are coming together. And as you said, our goal is to continue to gather that information and the data and the photos and the results so we can be very transparent and try to answer all questions about performance uh, as it comes in. Uh, right now, we're trialing with some of our global partners in the Southern Hemisphere. So we've got our, our 
uh, partners at Ball Australia. We've got our partners at Ball Stratoff, and they're sending me images and information right now. So I'm gathering that, and that will be shared with everybody. So those pieces are starting to come together, and uh, we're working on you know the best way we take we put that information out into the marketplace. Excellent. So keep your eye on the trade magazines. You know, keep mm -hmm. in close contact with your, uh, your ball seed and your distribution reps um, because there will. Like you said, be some seed and plugs available in very limited supply, and then um, really, as as that uh, ramps up in in January of 2020, um, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on uh, on seed mm -hmm. or plugs or however you want to produce this crop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I know, and you know, we talked a little bit earlier about you know how how exciting this is for for the breeders involved. You know that that bubble of the equation, and I know that breeders rarely sit still, especially when they introduce a groundbreaking product like this. So what is next for Beacon in, in the near future? Well, as a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, I'll be heading to Holland where uh, Rude and I are going to be looking at the next round of trials. Uh, short term, we definitely want to add more colors. We look at the top selling colors uh, in, in Impatience. A lot of people are asking about the status of rose or punch or lipstick. And, and so our hope is to have several genetics identified there. Um, but what other colors uh, we'll be bringing in, we'll be looking at the trial. Um, so we're also working on, you know, adjustments to the series. It's, it's So we currently have violet shades. Well, can we get to a more consistent violet? So things like that. So there's these short-term goals. But then we're going to spend some time brainstorming uh, what, what's the longer-term strategy? What else can we do? What other, what other interesting things can be brought forth? So I guess I'll put it this way. Stay tuned. Uh, I can't give away all of our secrets. So maybe in a future podcast we can talk about what's happening there. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to that because that is absolutely going to happen. And I do think we have the benefit here of working with a crop that has a ton of data and historical yeah. you know, knowledge. And so mm -hmm. it, you guys know the top colors, you know the best sellers, you know the mixes that you need, mm -hmm. you know sort of the, the, the vigor, the, you know, the specs that are required by the marketplace. So that's got to feel good that you're not really, you know, it's not like you're starting with a brand new um, brand new product. You're you're not starting from scratch at all. You've got a ton of data to uh, to look at and to work towards. Fortunately. So. Yeah, fortunately. Awesome. Well, I think that we need to start wrapping up. Even though I could talk about this all day, because I'm really excited about it. So, what else do we need to cover about Beacon? And what else does your team want growers to know about this series? I guess now is. There's going to be a lot of messaging done. There's going to be a lot of knowledge shared to help the growers communicate, you know, downstream through to landscapers, retailers, and eventually the end consumer. But, you know, it, it's kind of now's the time to begin helping the industry with the messaging and positioning, right? What else What else do we need to cover before we, uh, we wrap it up? Well, I, I think it's important that if anybody has questions, they, they should reach out to us. You know, we're trying to be very open about what we know. Uh, there may be some things we don't know, and we're honest about that. But how how do we address those questions and help uh, the grower community, the retailer, the gardening community be more comfortable with this? So we look at this as kind of in a sense part part of the collaboration is with that part of the marketplace. Uh, I, last year at Cast, when we first started talking about this, it was so wonderful to have all the questions coming to us because I think that helped us better prepare where we are right now. So 
I continue to ask everybody if you have any questions, insights, what have you, share that because that then helps us come back better and help the marketplace uh, with, with how to um, grow, use, and address any questions related to Beacon um, going forward. It's kind of like what Annabelle always says, you know, I, I, she always asks, you know, we, we need the feedback, you know, we are going to do the research. We're going to put the, the money and time and people resources out there to, to try to solve these problems, but we need the feedback to really, yeah. you know, feed this and to drive it in the right direction. I think you made a really good point that your team is, is working toward comfort and confidence mm -hmm. and, you know, not just dropping a new product on the market and saying, here, run with it, figure it out. Um, and I think that goes back to what we talked about earlier. This is sort of an uh, emotional prod product for everybody. It's a huge crop across all, you know, globally. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's really kind of fun to talk to you and hear mm -hmm. all the different ins and outs of the program. I, I, I can't think of anything you guys have left out. Well... I, I think I would just like to say it. Uh, this is on behalf of the whole team. I speak for a lot of people, a lot of uh, folks on the on the Beacon team. So I happen to be fortunate to be the folk, you know, talking with you. But there's a lot of people involved. I think that's what I would like uh, the listeners to know. This is truly uh, a large group of people that are very passionate about it and have uh, really put all best efforts forward. And so uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about this. And I use the word we <laughs> in terms of Beacon team being able to talk with, uh, with the listeners about this product. Wow. And I, and I know that everybody is really appreciative of that as well. Um, well, thank you so much. You mentioned uh, earlier that if anyone has any questions, you know, uh -huh. you really would like people to reach out. So if yeah. listeners want to get in contact with you or your team to ask any follow-up questions, give feedback, you know, what, what's the best way? And I know it's, it's early in the season in the launch and beacons is very new to market, but are there any resources available for growers to learn more? Oh, absolutely. Um, always can visit panamc.com, but we also have a website devoted to beacon impatience. So it is beaconimpatience.com. And it will have information about Beacon, the story about Beacon, um, resi the resistance information. So all things Beacon are will be at this website. So www.beaconimpatience.com. I think that's that's the place to go uh, to find out all things related to this product. Excellent, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. I'm really excited because. You know, it is a, a message that that everyone's going to really need to get aligned on, and having a having a website dedicated to the information, that story, how to talk about the resistance, that's mm -hmm. going to be uh, really critical in making sure that we're all um, aligned when we talk mm -hmm. to landscapers, retailers, and eventually to the end user of, of these products. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know you and I have talked about it, but when impatience, downy mildew started hitting gardens. I know it was a big story in, in the garden communication, the media, the blogs, the newspapers. And, you know, I think it's going to be fun to see the, the fun story now, the, the, the happy ending, you know, the, the, we've got a new product coming to market to solve a lot of these, these mm -hmm. pains that, that we've all experienced over the last, man, almost 10 years now. And yeah. uh, it'll be fun to see um, the messages coming to market and how we can all uh, rally behind that. Yeah, absolutely. This, 
So, listeners, I know you're excited about this. So am I. Um, Lisa explained, starting with the size of the market and, and the related demand, she talked about how much time, effort, and resources went into the breeding and the collaboration to solve what is effectively an acute pain for growers around the world. And I think that it's fair for all of us to give Pan American Seed a huge round of applause for this one. And I really uh, appreciate um, you, Lisa, for spending so much time with, with us on STEM and sharing all this great information. It's been really fun talking with you about it and uh, appreciate, appreciate the time to share the story about Beacon with the listeners. Excellent. Now let's uh, get ready to go and shine a beacon of light in gardens. Well said. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. And special thanks for helping us surpass 6,500 downloads in early 2019. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to give it a good rating on your podcast player, or better yet, write a quick review. This will help expose more potential listeners to STEM. We really appreciate the support. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. That's B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And now you can follow STEM Greenhouse Podcast on Instagram. That's STEM Greenhouse Podcast, all one term, for behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, and all sorts of good stuff. Let's end this episode with a quote from author Kenneth H. Blanchard. A clear purpose will unite you as you move forward, values will guide your behavior, and goals will focus your energy.